Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. The Colts defeat the 49ers in San Francisco during a bomb cyclone, which was apparently the name. And I learned this yesterday on the West Coast with the Pacific Ocean, they're called cyclones. And then on the East Coast, they're called hurricanes. So my whole life, I thought they were just hurricanes everywhere. Apparently, they're only hurricanes in the Gulf and the Atlantic Ocean. But during the bomb cyclone, the Colts are able to come from behind and defeat the 49ers. 30 to 18, we trailed nine zip. So this was our first real come from behind, two possessions down with terrible weather conditions and be able to pick up a win. And I know the 49ers now fall to two and four. I think they're better than two and four. They do have a lot of injuries. They play in a very difficult division, but this is a team that was in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. They have some really good players on this team. And it was a game you had to win. You go out to the West Coast, not easy. You play in this hurricane-like conditions, not easy, primetime game, under the lights, tough game to win, and we were able to go there, we trail 9-zip early in this game, they go right down the field against us, credit Shanahan and that offense, they drew up, they scripted the first 15 extremely well, they go right down the field, miss the extra point, first touch of the game, Taylor fumbles, I was also very happy that Reich didn't say, oh, one fumble, you're done for the day because that would have been probably the end. I don't think we were able to win this game if Taylor didn't have at least, you know, 15 plus touches and 100 yards. So we needed Taylor after that fumble to have another opportunity and more opportunities to carry the football, which Wright gave him, which I was very satisfied with in this game because if you were just pounding Hines or you were throwing the ball the entire game, you weren't going to win this game. So he fumbles that first touch, our first play offensively. Then the defense, you have to give them credit after a terrible drive and a long drive where they let them go right down the field and score a touchdown. They don't give up another touchdown, short field, following the fumble, holding to a field goal, nine zip. And then after that, it was pretty much all Colts. We outscored them 39 the rest of the game, going on the road, West Coast, terrible weather conditions, and beating the 49ers on Sunday Night Football. The best one of the year so far, and to be able to come from behind, because you look at the Dolphins right now, they're a one-win team. You look at the Texans, they're a one-win team. Those are not good wins. I know the Niners are 2-4. and four. They started off 2-0, and oh and they've lost four straight. But this was a much better win. They're a much better team than their record. And if you take away that one quarter, that fourth quarter against Baltimore, the last four games have been so much better than the first three games this season. The Titans are hot. They beat Buffalo. They blew the doors off Kansas City. That seventh wild card is realistic. And you start to look at these things now as we enter the halfway point of the season. The Colts starting to get some wins under their belt, three and one over our last four, trying to make some noise as we look at the wild card picture. And next week with a huge game against the Titans, if we want to climb back into the division race, it starts next week against the Tennessee Titans. But this one, you're not going to apologize for it. You go on the road, bad weather, and you beat the San Francisco 49ers 30 to 18 on Sunday Night Football. We had to have it, and we got it. And that's all that really matters. A lot of adversity in this game. First of all, you know, Zave hurts his calf in pre, you know, pregame, which, you know, is never good. But he guts it out, and I think he got injured during the game as well. But he came back in and made one of the biggest plays of the game. Just a gutty win by this team. They needed to, you know, find a way to win, come out. You put the ball on the ground on the first play offensively. 
you know, you allow them to go right down the field. You can't stop the bootleg action. And they just attacked us with that bootleg all the way down the field. Just not a good way to start. But this is the thing about football, especially early in a game. You fall behind like that. You've got plenty of time to come back and you can do two things. You can either ball up and, and you know, say, woe is me and, you know, let the snowball continue down the hill. Or you can, you know, bow up. And, and say, you know what, this isn't going to happen again and come back in the game and do what the Colts did. And it's not easy to do that, especially in those conditions. So it's a very good win for the Colts. You know, they really did a, a solid job in pretty much all facets of the game. They, you know, didn't have any special teams mishaps. They, they had a couple of turnovers, but then they also made plays on defense. And that's, and that's how you make up for those things. The defense picked up the offense. The offense picked up the defense. And, and, that's, and that's what a team does early in the year. We lose this game. We find a way to lose it. Last night, we found a way to win, and that's a very good sign for Colt fans. No question. And we were much more disciplined, I thought, than them. We had one annoying delay a game. We had one intentional delay a game to punt, and then we had one annoying delay a game where I think it was third and one and became third and six. But other than that, we were super disciplined in this game. And when you look on the flip side, Sam Fran, with all those pass interference calls, in a game like that where it's so hard to throw because the ball's so slippery – and you're able to beat them, and I know some of those balls were underthrown, but they were underthrown. The receiver coming back to the ball, he has separation. Those were big calls because that was essentially our passing game. That and Michael Pittman Jr., who was just phenomenal, and he's been really good all year for the Colts. He had 105 yards on four targets, four targets, four receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown, throwing it up to him. We've been begging for that, right? In the beginning of the year, we were saying, you got to throw the ball up to Michael Pittman because – this guy's a playmaker. He is not a future number one. I see a lot of people like Kevin Bowen saying he's a future number one. No, he's a number one right now. And at the receiver position, running backs and receivers, you see a lot of these guys come into the league and within their first few seasons, running backs usually right away their first or second year. And then receivers usually their first, second, third, fourth year. They're the guy immediately at those skill positions. And we're seeing that with both guys. We're seeing that with Taylor and we're seeing that with Pittman. From last year's draft, both guys are two best players offensively yesterday. When struggled, I mean, at times because of the ball being so slippery. But being able to get the ball up, being able to protect him long enough to throw the ball downfield and to draw those pass interference, to get the ball up to Pittman. And then Taylor, you got to give him a lot of credit, fumbling on the first play of the game and then being able to still run for over 100 yards and be able to wipe that away because it was only the second fumble of his career with the Colts. Last year in that Ravens game, he fumbled, and Reich kind of benched him. So I have to give Reich a lot of credit for keeping him in the game and knowing the only way you win this game is if you're able to either be balanced or be able to lean heavily on the run game. And we saw that in this game. The stat sheet would say we were probably run heavy because we only threw for 150 yards. But we probably had another 80 to 100 yards of pass interference, which is an extension of the passing game and those spot fouls. So I was happy with the offense. 30 points. They had a lot of short fields. The defense set them up with a lot of short fields because we forced four turnovers, three in the flow of the game, and three that led to points for the offense. So it's just one hand wash the other. Both wash the face. And the face is a 30 spot on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. But I thought Reich did a good job. I thought he was creative. 
I know we could have ran more at the end of the game. We probably should have had Taylor on the field more in the fourth quarter. I don't know why he wasn't. I was scared. I actually thought he was hurt because it didn't make any sense to me why he wouldn't be on the field. But all in all, I thought it was a good game plan. I thought there were some really creative calls. I liked the call to Moali Cox inside the 10-yard line. He got him, schemed him wide open. And there was other plays where I thought Reich did a good job and just the slipperiness of the ball held us back, like the third down call to Hines. That's a gain of 50, maybe a touchdown. The ball just kind of slips, hits him off the hands into the helmet, falls incomplete. We have to punt. So I was happy with the offense, 32 games in a row, and against a much better team, much better defense. I thought we did a good job all in all. Jason, do you think we did a good job all in all against Bosa and the front? Because we have seen Wentz hit so many times early in the season, and you're going up against a couple of really good pass rushers in this game. And I don't know how many times he was sacked, but it didn't feel like only one sack. And it didn't feel like he was under pressure the entire game. Like we saw other weeks this season. No, I mean, they did a pretty good job on him. Um, I thought he was more of a factor in the first half than in the second half. Um, but I think a lot of that, and we talked about this in the pregame, was the fact that they couldn't pin their ears back and rush us because we were running the ball so well. I mean, mm -hmm. Taylor, especially, I mean, really, he was the guy that was really getting downhill on them and they couldn't stop him. And so when you can do that and you can run the ball, that slows pass rush down, give our guys credit. They hung in there and did the best job they could. And they, they, you know, they didn't allow him to wreck the game, but I think some of that can be credited to Jonathan Taylor and being able to run the ball. I, I thought in the second half, they did a little bit better job. I mean, he's a, he's a great player. I mean, you saw him run down Wentz from the backside He's a special player. I, I was I was encouraged with the way they 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 played last night with the, uh, you know, their their line and just being able to run in those, those conditions and also not, you know, not letting somebody that's such a good player wreck the game. So I, I was impressed. I, I thought the Colts played well. Those pass interference calls were huge and they were all really good calls by the officials. So I had, you know, so. Really, for me, I, I just think this is the kind of game where that adversity early can really – you could do two things. And I know I mentioned this, but it's such a big thing. A lot of teams that are in that situation that are a two-and-four football team and everything – you know, you start the game, you turn the ball over, you have the drop, you know, that pass to, to Hines that he drops, you have another interception down in the red zone or a fumble or whatever they called it. You know, you could you could very easily get down if you don't have a good locker room or a good coach or a guy, a, you know, good leader, good leadership on your team. It very easily can happen. I, we, we, I mean, we saw it happen a million times with Pagano. But the encouraging thing about this team is they fell behind on the road in horrible conditions and played. They didn't play great in the first half. I mean, we were I mean, the fact that we were ahead made me feel good about the second half because I thought we were not good in the first half. But it's very encouraging for me as a fan and just watching this team and breaking down their play that so much could go wrong. And it, it, they just kept going. They just kept grinding. And that's what you got to do, man. You just got to play through it. You're going to like, especially when you're playing in those conditions, you're going to make mistakes. There's going to be turnovers. There's going to be bad things that happen. That's just the nature of the game when you're playing in inclement weather. But the bottom line is they found a way to keep, you know, battling through that adversity. They never got their head down. Like you mentioned, Taylor, after the fumble on the first play, he, he just he wiped it, he, he flushed it, and went out there and ran for 115 yards. So 
or whatever it was. So, I mean, just a, I, I thought it was an outstanding job by the entire team, the head coaches, with the head coach down to the to the players. I thought they did an outstanding job. And look, it's not always going to be pretty, and it wasn't always pretty last night. But they found a way to win, and that's all that matters. And we now we've stacked a couple wins together. I think we've won three out of four, which is really good. And we played outside of one horrible, awful quarter. We played really good football. So. Um, I'm excited, pumped about next week, but just enjoying this win. And, and uh, I can't say enough about this, the, the team fighting back from adversity from an 0-3 start. Now they're 3-4 and with a chance to get back to 500. And that, that says a lot about the leadership on this team and the players on this team. Yeah, and we didn't play great offensively, especially in the first half. But I'm not going to lie. I thought we played great defensively in the first half. After that first possession, the other three points came off the turnover so the defense actually did a good job only allowing three points on that drive and then after that they kicked the 56 yard field goal in the rain so you have to kind of be satisfied with that okay let them kick 56 yard field goals the rest of the game against us i like our chances so yeah i felt good and i also felt like because we had both our turnovers in the first half i felt like if we could just hold on to the ball we did a better job moving the ball than them so i felt really good at halftime i thought we were going to win the game, and I thought we were going to control the second half. And again, they only had one drive in the second half. So defensively, outside of two drives, we did a great job. And whenever you force more turnovers than allow touchdowns, you're going to be in good shape. So we allow two touchdowns, but we force four turnovers. And now we lead the league, tied with Buffalo, with 16 takeaways. Leonard again punches the ball out five straight games for Darius Leonard, being a part of a turnover, whether it be an interception, a forced fumble that we recover, or recovering a fumble himself he's been a part of eight of our 16 turnovers and that right now I think would be Leonard alone is like 16th in the league I think he has more turnovers than 11 franchises and he has the same amount as five so right now if you look at the NFL 16 teams have eight takeaways or less and Leonard himself has been a part of eight takeaways. So he's just been fantastic. And I know people complain about little tiny nuances of his game. When it comes to just making plays, nobody in the league makes more plays defensively than Darius Leonard. And we saw it again yesterday. And I thought for a slippery game, he was all over the field. There was one play that Collinsworth pointed out where he was on the opposite side of the field. And he was able to, he saw Garoppolo rolling out to the left. And he closed out on him, and he got to him so quick. It was it was just incredible. And Leonard was all over the field, so I thought he did a great job. We forced four turnovers, four takeaways in this game. Rhodes battling through the adversity of the injury he faced. And Collinsworth talked about this literally the entire game. He must have mentioned it 15 times that he took him off his board before the game when he was hobbling around in warm-ups. And he goes out, and he plays a complete game has an interception in a close game, a five-point game at the end, and I think that led to the Pittman touchdown to put us ahead two scores at the end. Kari Willis had a pick. Alkady Muhammad had a strip sack recovered by Quiddy Pay. So just a complete game. The defense early in the game, they let them go right down the field, but then they buckle down and they play really good football for the next, I would say, 52 minutes of this game outside of, again, only one drive. So... You'll take that. If you give up two touchdowns every week, but you come away with four turnovers, four takeaways, you're going to be in pretty good shape. And offensively, we turned the ball over twice early in the game, and I think they let us two zip in takeaways, and then we go four unanswered takeaways the rest of the game. 
as we go on that 30-9 to run to close things out. So just really happy on both sides of the ball the way we played a complete game. Now two weeks in a row, two victories in a row, back-to-back wins, complete games offensively and defensively for this team. Yeah, the defense really bounced back, I thought, after that first that first drive. They looked really just out of sorts with the bootleg action, and the, the linebackers were kind of flowing the wrong way, and, and the defensive end was was out of position, and they really took advantage of us on that first drive. We couldn't stop the run, and then it's like we flipped a switch for the next how many ever drives. We just played lights out, and I think at one point, in the third quarter, they put up a stat that we we gave up like 80 yards on the first drive and 67 the next two quarters or something like that. So the defense really stepped up. You know, they very easily – I mean, people were losing their minds, and rightfully so. That first drive was was awful. But, you know, it's a 60-minute-plus it's a game sometimes, and, and you're going to have ebbs and flows. And, and uh, you know, I thought they, they came out that first drive and, and they just had our number and we weren't – I don't know what, what the problem was, but we just – we did it. We didn't do a very good job in any facet of, of defense. But – Whatever it was, they got it fixed. And, you know, my my biggest concern from this game, honestly, defensively, is we didn't do a very good job in the run game. And that's concerning because the next team we play has the best running back in the game. So I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. But, I mean, part of that's probably due to the fact we're playing in a monsoon. And it's, you know, you're it, it's just the footing's not good and, and whatever. Well, but There's also one other aspect of it, I think. We never see San Francisco, and they're able to throw wrinkles at us, and Shanahan's extremely innovative, and he's able to do things that we probably haven't seen and we're not used to them. When we play Henry, we usually do a pretty good job, and we know them so well because we see them twice a year. And so far this year, besides Arizona, which I guess would go against my point, but that's week one. You could only take so much from week one. Besides Arizona, I think we've done the second best job against Henry this season, and he's been on fire the last six weeks, and we've done the best job against him. Not that we shut him down or anything, because you can't, because he's just that good. But I think the fact that we know him so well definitely plays into our favor, unlike San Francisco, who Eberflus probably hasn't seen San Francisco since he was a linebacker coach with Dallas, and Shanahan might not have even been the head coach yet. Right. Well, that's a good point. I mean, it's more, it, it, I guess it's kind of a double concern. It's a little bit of a concern with the run game, but almost more than that, it's just that bootleg action. We have struggled with that all year. Tannehill really wore us out on that bootleg run in the first game. We've got to get that figured out defensively. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to go negative here. I, I thought the defense bounced back. They forced four turnovers. The thing with this defense, people is gonna people are gonna constantly bitch about the completion percentage, but what this defense is predicated on is turnovers. That's what that's what Flus wants. He wants turnovers. That's what they're aiming for. All that matters is how many points you give up and how many turnovers you force. And right now they're leading the league in for in for, forced turnovers. So um, they're doing a good job with that, and they need to keep doing a good job with that. I thought outside of the first drive and then the late the drive late in the game where that was that was horrible I think it was a three play possession I don't know what happened on that drive but outside of those two drives the Colts were fine the defense was fine did what did what was supposed to do forced turnovers and and like we said in the pregame you know the there's going to be plays to be made you know there's going to be balls that are going to be you know there was a ball to Okariki probably should have intercepted and and all that but 
for the most part, when the when the plays were there to be made, the Colts defense made them, and that's what you that's what you want. And you know, I thought as far as like you know, we talked about Leonard; he was he was really good. I thought Zave had a rough game as far as just D- Debo. You know, it was a tough matchup for anybody, and you know he he struggled a little bit, but he you know he he gutted it out, and he made the play of the game for me. I think the game changed on that interception when they were driving to take the lead. He makes that pick, and that's that's a huge play by him. And uh, so you got to give these guys a lot of credit. A lot of them aren't even close to 100%. Darius Leonard included, and they somehow come out there and make plays. And, you know, just, just to talk about the D-line a little bit, I thought they were pretty solid throughout the game. Quiddy was very active. Alquadim was very active. DeForest was very active. Uh, Okariki had a, a, a tackle for a loss. Grove had some plays. So, I mean, it was an encouraging game. Like, it was a feel-good game. A lot of really positive things happened. And and there was adversity. It wasn't like a smooth – it wasn't like a – it wasn't like Houston. You know, we had to overcome some adversity – and I think that's good for a team. I think that only makes your your bond stronger. And say we fall behind nine nothing in another game, there's not going to be any panic because we've proven we can come back from that. So I think all in all, man, offense, defense, special teams, I mean, really did everything they did, everything they could to win this game. And I thought that that all three phases of the game were were better than San Francisco. We played smarter. You know, we didn't have the the really long interference penalties. We played so – and we talked about that. Another thing we talked about on the pregame about, you know, the hidden yardage. You, you don't want to get a lot of big plays and you don't want to give up big plays, but you also don't want to give up pass interference. Those, those are big plays too. And uh, I thought for the most part we limited big plays and we didn't get – I don't think we got too many – maybe one interference call, maybe, but – they had like four and they were all huge. So, um, you know, I just thought the Colts did what they needed to do. I wanted to see them come out, went on the road, went in the elements and play smart. And I thought they did that. And, you know, I'm encouraged. Wentz did not play great by any stretch. It's probably is one of his worst performance. Like if you just based, I mean, just based on the numbers or whatever, but it was gutty. Like when we needed to play, he went out and ran for 16 yards. When, you know, you needed to throw, he throws the ball deep, Pittman makes a great play. So there's something to be said for gutting it out and finding a way to win when, you, when you're when you not at your best. And that's what the Colts did last night. And that's what's encouraging. That's what's encouraging about this game. We clearly didn't play a great game, but we found a way to win, and that's what matters. Absolutely. And with the wind and rain, who's going to have a good game throwing the football in that? He has probably another 50-plus yards if Hines catches that ball, but it's wet, it's slippery, it's windy, it's difficult to catch the ball. And just throwing the ball up and getting the ball up, even though a lot of those passes were underthrown, the pass interference calls, that's all an extension of the pass game. So if you want to count that, he probably throws for 250 because that's at least another 100 yards there. And it's just not that type of game. You're not looking to throw for 300 yards. So I was just really satisfied overall with the way the game went because you're playing to the weather, you're playing to the flow of it, and that's something Reich struggled with in his career is the flow of the game, understanding, okay, there's 60-mile-an-hour winds and there's a bucket of rain falling down. Maybe we shouldn't just completely abandon You know what I mean? So like we've seen him in the past do things that just didn't make any sense, and yesterday there was a little bit of that 
going with Hines over Taylor in the fourth quarter. And we did throw a little bit more than made sense to me in the fourth. But it did work. And the play that he threw up to Pittman and Pittman came down with was big. And it pretty much sealed the deal. And what about that throw in the first half to Pittman? That 50-yard bomb to Pittman, which was really the only big passing play that was a connection of the day. That was a filthy throw where he kind of dropped it in the bucket and then Pittman able to come down with it. And I think that was third and 11 or third and 10 too. And it got the chains moving when we were down nine zip. That's a huge play because you do not want to punt down nine zip early in that game. If they go down the field, even if they kick a field goal, you're down 12. If they go down and they score, you could be down 16 early in that game. You don't want to be put in a position like that where you're going to have to throw your way out of it because you're probably not going to be able to run because of the clock when you're down two, three scores. So that was a huge play. And it's probably the biggest difference maybe from last year to this year, the last couple weeks, especially we've been connecting on big pass plays last week. We had the big passing touchdown to Paris Campbell. We've had some big pass plays this season, even the screen pass a few weeks ago, I think against, was it against Baltimore? We had the screen pass, the dump to Taylor, and he took it to the house. So that is something we didn't really have last year. We've had more big plays this year, more explosive plays. Even in a rainstorm, a bomb cyclone yesterday, we were able to connect on a 50-plus yard pass through the air, not even yak, through the air. He caught that for about 52 to 56 yards. So that was a huge play that really opened things up, and it got us, going in this game then our next possession down we had another turnover inside the 10 yard line which has to change we've turned the ball over down there way too many times this season or turn the ball over on downs or just not come away with points when we get the ball down there so much better yesterday but again we turned the ball over inside the 10 yard line which can't happen i think Wentz has maybe four or five turnovers on the year and i think two or three of them have come inside the 10 so they ended up calling it a fumble to me, it looked like a pick, like he was kind of throwing a shovel pass. They call it a fumble, so he's still only at one pick on the year, which is tremendous. And he threw a couple of balls yesterday, early in the game especially, that could have been picked that weren't, probably because they were wet. But that kind of cancels itself out. If it's not wet, the throw's probably not that bad. But then again, if it's dry and the throw is that bad, the defender probably picks it. So he threw a couple of pickable passes early in the game, but... Yeah, the first half to second half was a big difference. I thought that the offense was much better in the second half, and getting Taylor going was big in this game. If they abandon Taylor, i got to give Reich a lot of credit for not punishing Taylor. I'm all about accountability, but it has to be reasonable accountability. You can't just bench a superstar running back for his second career fumble this early in the game when you need to run the ball with the weather. So great job by right there, keeping Taylor in the game, still getting him, I think, 18 carries going off for, I want to say, 107 yards in the touchdown. But that pass to Pittman early in the game, Jason, that was one hell of a throw. No, there's no question. And listen, you know, Wentz had some bad decisions and bad plays in that game, but when when it, the chips were down and he had to make a play, he made it, whether it was with his feet. He had a touch. I think he had a first down run when we needed it. I actually had, I think he had a couple of them, and then he had the touchdown run. So, you know, you, you take the good with the bad in that situation as far as, you know, the weather and all the variables that come with it. But the bottom line is when the guy had to make a play, he made it. And that's what you want to see out of your quarterback. I, I just got to say, Pittman is special. Like, 
he does so many things that I don't think people realize how good he is. Like, I just, his hands are so strong. Like, if you, he's never, I don't think I've ever seen somebody rip the ball out of his hands. Once he gets his hands on the ball, it's a wrap. And he is going to be, I mean, he's good now, but as he gets more and more comfortable with Wentz, because you guys have to remember, like, really no training camp. Because Wentz is hurt, and and so he's still getting adjusted to Wentz. But I'm telling you, like Pittman is the real. He's a dog, man. You put that ball up for him, he's gonna go get it, and he's not gonna let anybody take it away from him. He's got such strong hands. He might have the strongest hands of any receiver that I can remember the Colts having. I mean, he you just can't get the ball out of his hands. And that's a huge trait to have with, with a receiver. Just not only does he have great hands, he has strong hands. So I was really impressed with him, even in the rain, with the ball slick in a monsoon. Like, he still goes up, gets the ball clean. And, I mean, these aren't, like, plays where he's just beating a guy like a drum. He's got to go get it, bring it down, contested. And that's not easy to do in weather. He did it in Baltimore. That wasn't in weather, but it was a contested catch. He not only caught that ball, but then he beasted Marlon Humphrey and got in the end zone. This week, he makes you know an absolutely unbelievable play, going up and getting that ball with somebody all over him, and and you know, and then the deep ball that you were talking about, somebody's all over him, and he just fights through it, catches it. He's just such a physical. I mean, he. I just love everything about his game. He's got a great attitude. Just an just an absolute stud, a dog out there, the type of guy you want on your team. We have a lot of those guys. Pascal's the same way. Taylor's the same way. Just good guys, work their ass off, don't make any excuses, and then they just go play, and they make plays, and that's what they did last night. All the big players on this team, Wentz, Taylor, Pittman, Leonard, all those guys made plays. Buckner. I mean, you can go down the list, the guys that are getting the most money, the big time players, the guys that you always want to, you know, that you want the, to show out when you're playing, they all did their thing, man. And so, and the offensive line was solid, did a really good job in the run game. I thought Chris Reed was really good. Quentin had a little bit of a little bit of a struggle last night, but that's to be expected. It was his first game back with some penalty issues, but I mean, just a just a big win. Had to have the game, and you know, I just. It just shows you don't have to play perfect. You can grind out wins, and they all count the same. Good, bad, and different. They won the game. Proud of the way they played. Proud of the guys and the way they fought back through that adversity. And it was a huge win, man. I feel great about it. Me too. And I want to give credit to one more guy, Alkadi Muhammad, who seems to get a lot of criticism on Colts Twitter. His motor never stops. He had a huge strip sack in this game, and he's made big plays this year. I know he's not the flashiest guy, the most talented guy, but he works his ass off. And yesterday, again, another big play for this Colts defense and getting back there. And for all the guys that we've drafted that have been busts, and I think he was like a waiver wire pickup, a six-round pick by New Orleans. When you look at, like, everybody's complaining about Banigou and Ture, compare the body of work to Alkwadi Muhammad. I know he doesn't have the most sacks, the most this and the most that, but every week he's out there, every week he's busting his ass he does have i want to say like three or four sacks on the year he had a sack back in 2018 in a playoff game against houston so he's been here for a while he goes to work every week he doesn't get any credit for it yesterday he came up on prime time with a huge play huge strip sack 
in this game. And it was tight at that point, too. So that was a big play by Al-Qadeen and a guy who gets almost no credit on this Colts defense. And a lot of people just want to get rid of him because they want to see Bandigou out there or they want to see Terre out there more often when those guys really haven't done anything in their careers. I mean, Terre has before the injury, but in comparison to a guy like Ben Bandigou, he hasn't done nearly what Al-Qadeen's accomplished in Indianapolis. Yeah, man, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. And I catch I catch some crap because I'm I'm an, I'm an admitted Alquadine fan. Uh, he's been on our show. I like him a lot. But just as a player, he's what's right about the game. He's never been given. He's like the defensive Zach Pascal. Like he went mm-hmm. to a bigger school. He went to Miami, obviously, and he was drafted. But he's had to work for everything. He's not been given anything. And that's what I like about him. And he plays every game like that. He's not the most talented. He's not super quick or super athletic or any of that. You know, he doesn't have any traits that jump off the table other than he hustles all the time. You don't see that guy give up on any plays. And I think he, like, if I was coach, if I was a parent and I had a son and I was, and I want him to watch the way a guy plays just his effort and how, like, if you want to be good at something, you have to play this hard. I think he's a perfect guy to show him. He plays extremely hard. He doesn't ever quit. And that's what you want. You want guys like that on your team. Do I think he's, you know, would I rather have a guy that's, you know, a 15 sack guy that could start over him? Of course I would, but we don't have that. And so you have to go with what you have. And until somebody comes in here and maybe this is maybe it's Dio. I'm hoping it's Dio, but th- you're going to have to take his job. He's not going to give it to you. So you're going to have to outwork him and outplay him. And I hope somebody can do that because he's not the greatest player. He's a very hard worker and he's a good I think he's best in a rotational situation. But damn, if I don't love the guy, because there's guys that are ta- like talent heavy, but they don't work. So you don't get the results. Or you got guys that have lower talent but work, you know, like the talent, talented guys should work, and they make it work. And that's what Al-Qadine is. He makes it work, and his effort is second to none. I have a lot of respect for players that fight and work their way. I mean, like you, like you mentioned, he was drafted and he was released. The Colts signed him, and he made a name for himself and got in the rotation and, you know, he's been a, 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 you know, a really solid guy for us his entire career. So I don't really get the hate for the guy or the dislike or whatever. I know he's not a flashy player, but he's the kind of guy like you, you need those guys in your roster that that are great examples to younger players of this is what you can be. If you just work hard, they'll give you a chance to play, but you have to work. Yep. You can't just, you know. I was drafted in this round and I deserve to play. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. You have to work. You have to earn it. And I think that's what's so great about him. He's worked his ass off, similar to Zach Pascal, and and he's he's earned it. He's earned everything that he's gotten, and I love the guy. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Zach Pascal because it kind of is like the way Cole fans are obsessed with Banigou and they want to see him out there because we drafted him and they bypass Alquadine, who's out there every week and hustling his ass off and makes plays and has made way more plays throughout the course of his career than Banigou, who's made really only one play that comes to mind against the Broncos his rookie year, which is three years ago now. It's a long time. The Pascal comparison's good because remember how much Colt fans were obsessed with Fountain and they were obsessed with 
Kane, but especially Fountain for some reason. There was like this infatuation with Therese Fountain. He never did anything in the games for the Colts. And the same thing with Deion Kane. Neither guy did anything for the Colts, but they were drafted, I think, in the fifth, maybe both in the fifth or fifth and sixth rounds for the Colts. So Colt fans automatically had this like invested obsession with those two receivers. Zach Pascal, an undrafted guy, clearly better. And I know they weren't premium picks. They fell a little bit in the draft. But Zach Pascal has been here since, I want to say, at least 2018. He's been a constant. He stayed healthy. He's durable. He plays hard. He's a great teammate. He's a great guy. Passes with Pascal before games with kids in the crowd. He's done everything right. Everything you could possibly do. He's played through as many injuries as any player except maybe Phillip Rivers. He plays through everything. He's always out there. Even a couple weeks ago, remember, most guys would have, like Paris Campbell would have been pronounced dead if he took the shot that Campbell took. And I want to say that was at the end of last week's game, right? Against the Texans. He got lit up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The medicine ball. Yeah. yeah he, Back he, out he, there he, last night. Yeah. He, that, that was crazy. Like that, the one where he got, the one in the Houston game where he got laid out. Yeah. That was, that was a big hit. And was he, you're right. On, was he, was Zach Pascal even on the injury report after that hit? Did he miss a day of practice? I don't think so. No. It's incredible. The guy's like a bowling ball. Yeah, he's uh he's another guy, man. I, I I have a special place in my heart for those guys. I have a lot of respect for for anybody in any field that starts at the bottom and works their way up because there's something so special about earning everything. And that's one thing I love about the Colts organization is they allow guys like that. It, this would have never happened with Gregson, ever. But they allow guys like that that to just come off the street. I mean, other than I guess you could say Jack Doyle is a good example too, because I'll give I'll give Gregson that one. Yeah, well, Gregson's good... off the street was different. Gregson's off the street was there's literally nothing on this roster, so we need to just like throw you know what at the wall. Ballard's really yeah. more about like evaluating guys, bringing in competition, and having the best man win. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and and that's what I like about the organization. Like, they're not trying to force certain guys out there because they drafted them. Um, because they could very easily be like, well, I drafted – Ballard could very easily be like, I drafted Ben Banago in the second round. We need to play him more, you know, and tell, uh, you know, the Flues, the line coach, to play him more. But that's not what that's not what they're doing. They're not about that. They're trying to win games and – Right now, Al-Qadim Muhammad gives them the best chance to win, not Ben Banigou. So, And it's the same thing on offense. And we have a lot of guys like that. And and the, the great thing is we have guys that were drafted in the second round that work just as hard as Zach Pascal does. That's what I love about this team is it's it's guys that no, – no BS, no divas, just work hard. I mean, Pittman, Taylor, great guys. They just work. They, they're humble. I, I love that about this team. They have a lot of those guys. That, that just come to work. They don't complain. They're very humble. They learn from the vets. They, you know, they, they keep their mouth shut and they learn from the veteran players and they just go out there and they ball. And that's why this team, I, I love, I, you know, I, I have a lot of love for this team because it's so many different guys from so many different backgrounds and, and, and different ways of coming together. And it just, it just works. And, you know, we talk about Al Qadine and we talk about Zach, and you can also talk about some of the draft picks too. They work hard too. So, and that's the best case scenario. You get a draft pick that works and that, that's uber talented, but also has a extremely high work ethic. And I think we have that with those two second round picks that we got last year. Those guys work as hard as anybody. So, an exciting win. 
you know, I, I know we're going to get into the players of the game in a second, but just I, I thought a, a, just an outstanding team win from everybody. Uh, you know, Badgley didn't – they were talking about how bad Badgley was pregame. Well, he didn't have any problems kicking. And then I just thought, you know, we ran the ball. When Carson had to make plays, he made them. When the defense had to come up with plays, they made them. Just an outstanding team win. You know, and like I said earlier, early on in the season, we were finding ways to lose games. Now we're starting to find a way to win games. And that's the key to turning your season around and being a good team. And I think this is, you know, we're, we're at the start of something that's pretty good. And I think, you know, we're going to get, we're going to be in this race, I think, and, until the end. So whether it's wild card or division, we just want to get in the playoffs. And I think, you know, last night goes a long way towards, towards that goal. Absolutely. And one more thing we have to talk about before we get to the for the culture player of the game, the 79 yard punt, from Rigoberto Sanchez, obviously took the big bounce, went all the way into the end zone, which is now the new franchise record for the Indianapolis Colts. So congratulations to Sanchez. Got a little bit of help from the kick of the punt returner from San Francisco, but he kicks the ball and it bounces into the end zone. He recovers it around either the one-yard line or in the end zone, and we go down, we tackle him, and it's a touchback. That rule... The refs apparently got it right, but the rule itself, which was called correctly in the game, has to be changed. That has to be changed because now you're opening the floodgate for the opportunity. Anytime the ball's near the one-yard line or about to be downed, couldn't any punt returner just go and kick it into the end zone or just kick it and recover it in the end zone and get a touchback? That should be a safety, or if it goes to the back of the end zone, it should be a safety, Or if because if we recovered it, isn't it a live ball? Wouldn't it be a touchdown? They said it was a continuation of the punt. But to me, it doesn't make any sense because if it accidentally hits his foot like it did, it should be a live ball for us to recover. So if he recovers it, it should be recovering a punt, but it should be recovering a punt that was a fumble, not fielding a punt because he touched it. So to me, that whole thing was bizarre. I thought we got gypped. I thought it should have been or it should be moving forward. The NFL should change that. It should be a safety in that situation, and the Colts should get ball. So I just thought that was a rule that I didn't know. So I learned something new yesterday, and I think the NFL has to change it because it's absurd that you could basically just kick a ball into the end zone and you could get the ball to 20. Without question. I, I tweeted this during the game. It's ridiculous that you can screw something up so badly. Go, you know, you, The ball's kicked over your head, It's ba- so you make that mistake. Then it bounces. Then you try to pick it up. You kick it into the end zone. You get tackled in the end zone, and you get rewarded. I, it's, <laughs> I mean, the rule, they called it right, okay? I'm not arguing with the call. It was the right call, but it is a stupid rule because I'll tell you right now, if I was coaching the Colts special teams – and, you know, the, the, they were the, the opposite team was trying to down a ball inside the five. I'd just be like, just run up and punt it out of the back of the end zone. You know, I mean, if that if that's how it's going to work, it, it's just I, I, I don't understand the impetus for that. I, I, I think once you you touch the ball, it's it's a live ball. Right. So if you touch the ball, it's a live ball and you kick it into the end zone and we recover it. It's a touchdown. So if, if you kick it into the back of the end zone, you recover it, it should be a safety. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, they need to look at it. Obviously, again, the call was right. I'm not arguing that. I just think the, 
the spirit of the rule is dumb. Yeah. Well, you know what? One place I thought we should have challenged it, and Collinsworth never even brought this up, and the rules expert never brought this up, it looked to me like the punt returner might have gained possession at the one-yard line and ran into the end zone. That would mean they did get it wrong because then I know there's a momentum rule, but if you pick up a punt at the one and you run into the end zone, that should be a safety. But they never even talked about that. Maybe they thought he gained possession in the end zone or maybe it was a momentum thing, but you can't run. Uh, see, I, I didn't think he... I didn't think he had possession until he was in the end zone. I thought he had possession at the one, but regardless, the whole rule is just stupid to begin with. Like you said, you misplayed the punt. It went over your head. That's an error on the punt returner. Then he bends down and tries to pick it up. So then it should be a fumble when he kicks it. Well, it's a live ball. It's a live ball. It shouldn't be a continuation of the punt. Because when they say it's a continuation of the punt, does that mean if we recover it, we down it where it is? Because that doesn't make any sense. For all the times I've watched football, balls accidentally hitting a guy's foot has never been a continuation of the punt. It's always been a live ball fumble. So right. it's a live ball fumble. He picks it up. He goes into the end zone. And now all of a sudden they get the ball at the 20? Like, worst comes to worst, they should get the ball at the 1. Because that still right. should be a punishment because it should be two points in our ball. So just retaining possession is a reward for them and they get 20 yards out of it and they get all that breathing room from the goal line to avoid a, another safety offensively. It's just crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of any rule that rewards like a, like a really bad play. Yeah. I'm not like that. It's just, it could, you, sh- you should be rewarding the team that's making the play, not the team that screwed up the play. You know what I mean? It's like they used to have a rule in the seventies where you could fumble it forward and then, you know, like I remember the Raiders had a uh, had a play where they fumbled the ball forward, it seemingly intentionally, and knocked it into the end zone and recovered it for a touchdown. Like, like I think it was Dave Casper caught a ball, was about to be tackled. He literally just threw it on the ground, threw it towards the end zone. They recovered it, and they won the game on that. And they changed the rule that you can't you can't do. I forget what the exact rule is now, but you can't do that where you where you it's where you fumble the ball or whatever. You can't advance it into the end zone or whatever. So, I mean, I don't know why I just told that story because it doesn't make any sense to what we're talking about. So, but I don't like when there are rules that basically a team does something bad and they get reward. I mean, it just like, like we said, he, he, he screws up the punt. He doesn't fair catch it. It goes over his head. He lets it bounce. Then instead of getting away from it, he tries to pick it up kicks it in the you know kicks it 20 yards into the end zone recovers it in the end zone and they get the ball to 25 it it just like i get it it's the right call and it's the rule or whatever but it's the spirit of the rule sucks and it needs to be looked at hopefully it will be but luckily it didn't really make a difference in the game and uh you know it was just an annoying play for colt fans i mean everybody was i mean even non-colt fans were like that rule sucks like there were Jet fans and Giant fans, people that had no dog in the in the fight, just like saying what? Like that's that's a that's a horrible rule, and and I and I agree, it's a stupid rule. But luckily, Luke, the best thing about it, the only thing that matters, we won the game, and it didn't matter. So that's really what matters at the end of the day. But yeah, that rule's terrible, and hopefully they'll change it. No question. I mean, that's a bad rule. There's a lot of rules I don't like. There's a lot of 
things the NFL does. We talk about it all the time. The London game, Thursday Night Football, there's a lot of stuff the NFL does. This is an easy change because this isn't a moneymaker because everything that we, most of the things we don't like about the NFL comes down to money. There's no money to be gained or lost with this rule, and it's not a rule that comes into play very often, but it's a rule since nobody knew about it. Like, now that I know about this rule, moving forward, every time there's a ball at the five-yard line and nobody's down there to down the ball, I'm just going to tell my punt returner to kick the ball into the end zone. We'll never, ever, ever again have bad field position as long as their gunners aren't down there. And that would most definitely get them to change the rule. Absolutely. I mean, last yeah. night should be enough. Last night, there's certain rules in sports sometimes where you don't, it's so rare that it happens. But then once it happens, because it's rare that what happened last night happens because you don't know the rule. Now that you know the rule, strategically, it's probably going to become a lot more common. You would think. Especially for the Colts and Niners and anybody who watched the game. But enough about that. Big win for the Colts, 30-18 over the Niners, which means Colts win for the culture play of the game. Well, I'm going to go outside the box on this one. I'm going to give it to Xavier Rhodes, and let me tell you why. He gets injured pregame, and, it lo- I mean, it looked bad. They showed him limping. It did not look like he was going to play, and he got injured during the game. He gutted through that game and made, to me, the biggest play of the game. Where he, where he, he, you know, he, he outmuscles Debo for that ball. You know, he didn't play a great game by any stretch, but he didn't get beat for any long touchdowns, and he made plays. You know, he he made tackles, did what he had to do, and he makes the to me the biggest interception of the game, and, and fights through adversity and the injury and makes that play. I, I'm gonna give it. I, I mean, I know other guys probably with the stats deserve it more. But I want to give it to somebody outside the box just because I think there's something to be said for for gutting it out for your teammates, fighting through – because you know he was hurting and you know he wasn't 100%, but he fights through all that, makes zero excuses, makes the play of the game, in my opinion, on the on defense as far as defense goes with that interception and helps us turn the game and really kind of you know gives the ball back to the offense with, with, the, with the field so that they can put the game away. So – I'm going Xavier Rhodes just because of what he went through last night. And then to be able to come up with that big play at the end of the game just shows a lot about his character and his fight and and also being a good teammate. Because he very easily could have said, I'm not playing, I'm not 100%. But he obviously wanted to be out there for his teammates. He knew Rock wasn't there. He knew Keys got hurt. And he knew they were the depth was, was limited. So he gutted it out. And so I'm rolling with Zave, man. I think he deserves a lot of credit for what he did last night. Great selection. I thought you were going to go Pittman, so I'll take Pittman. I'll go more generic. You went outside the box. I'll go generic. I'll go with Michael Pittman Jr. He had a great game. First off, four targets because there was some pass interference and other targets in there. We didn't throw the ball a ton. I think we had 26. I think we had 26 passing attempts. I'm just pulling up the box score right now. But I know he had four targets for... Four receptions, so four for four, 105 yards, 26.3 yards per not only reception, but per target. He had a long 57, that great pass from Carson Wentz. Had the touchdown reception where he goes up and gets it and then fights his way into the end zone. Easily could have fell down at the three-yard line, but he doesn't. He stays on his feet. He fights. He falls into the end zone, which puts the Colts up two possessions, puts the Colts up 12 points. 
the rest is history. So he had a really good game. Strong hands like you were talking about before, especially in the rain. You have to have strong hands. Doesn't drop a pass. Again, rain, slippery, windy. We saw Hines drop a ball. Pittman didn't. He drew at least one, maybe two flags for pass interference, which was probably another 25 to 50 yards. So he was just really good for the Colts. And he looks like the real deal. He looks like your number one wide receiver. He looks like a guy that is going to have a nice long career in this league. Coming out of an extremely talented draft class at that position. And it seems like in today's day and age, because the receivers, like it's just so much easier for them than any other time in NFL history. The way the rules, everything's set up for these guys. It feels like every year it's a big receiver class. But last year, historically big. A lot of guys had really good rookie campaigns. And Pittman is right there in the mix with, with all of them this year in his second year in the league. He has a quarterback that's able to throw the ball downfield a little bit more than last year. And he came on at the end of the year. But obviously, you were a little bit limited. I love Phillip Rivers. I love everything he brought to the team. But one thing he didn't bring to the team was the ability to really stretch the field and throw downfield. And now we are seeing that is Michael Pittman's game. He likes to go downfield. He could stretch the field for a big guy. He's deceivingly fast, good hands, strong. So he's been playing good football. He hasn't scored a lot of touchdowns this year, but we're starting to see that change yesterday getting into the end zone. Probably could have had another one or two yesterday. So he's just been really good for the Colts. He's on pace for over 1,000 yards. It'd be nice to see him get involved a little bit more, maybe in the red zone with jump ball opportunities. We've done a great job with Cox. Another touchdown yesterday for Cox. I would like to see us target Pittman a little bit more in the red zone. Like 30 going in, 20 going in. I'd like to see him get some more targets around there so we could start to get those touchdown numbers up. Not just for him personally, but for the team. Because I think for a team that struggled in the red zone, well, you have a big, strong six foot four receiver that you could get the ball to, and we just haven't. So that's still a part of this team that has to improve is red zone offense yesterday. I don't know what we were. We were definitely better. Let me check real quick. We were definitely better in the red zone. I know we had the one interception or the one fumble in the red zone yesterday. We were three for five. Does that sound about right? Three for five, maybe a field goal in there. And then the fumble from Wentz, the interception-ish kind of fumble. I thought it was a pick. They call it a fumble, whatever. Better for Wentz. But still an area where we could do much better. Season, collectively, we could do a lot better. And Pittman's a big part of that. you got to get Pittman more targets in the red zone because I feel like he just hasn't had a lot this season. But his stats have been really good. He's been making plays. He's my for-the-culture player of the game, 105 yards on only four receptions on only four targets four for four 26 yards per touchdown that really put the Colts ahead and put the Colts away in this game of 12 points Michael Pittman my for the culture player of the game yeah man and he was I mean he and he and Taylor are quite a combination just Absolutely. having those two guys uh coming in the same draft class and just they're, they're both very elite talents uh, very good guys, great teammates, and they're both very productive. So, uh, listen, man, I'm pumped. I'm excited to see where this offense goes. Hopefully we'll get T.Y. back this week. That would be huge to, uh, for the Colts. And a couple guys maybe on defense will get back. We'll see. Hopefully Rock is back. We're going to need him because both A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are healthy now. So we're going to need all hands on deck next week. But as far as this game, just to wrap it up, a huge win for the Colts. 
uh, in a rainstorm. Not the prettiest game, but it doesn't matter. What matters is the win column. We got to win. Uh, now we can stack wins. We're in a position if we can somehow get this game with Tennessee, then we've got Jacksonville. Or then, excuse me. Then we've got New York on Thursday, and then a, a mini buy, and then Jacksonville. Three straight home games. The Colts haven't played great at home, but they need to start playing well now. And I think they're starting to get into their groove. They're playing the best football of the year. So last night was an uplifting win. Not everything went right, but they fought through that adversity and got got it done. And that's what matters. And now we're on to Tennessee. And a huge game against the Titans. If you want to win the division, which I think we all do, you got to win this game against the Tennessee Titans. It's not a game where the Titans are in a must win. For them, it's like a must win if they want to put the division away. Because if they win this game, I think it's over for the division. Could we theoretically get back into the wild card? Yes. For at least that seventh spot. The first two spots are going to be tough. That fifth and sixth spot are going to be tough. Because right now, I think there's... I think there's six teams with only two losses in the AFC. So if we lose next week, that'll be our third loss. If those teams all win, we'd be three losses or we'd be three losses back. So next week is a huge game, especially because one of the teams we're battling that seventh wildcard spot for is the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's a big spot. There's a lot of teams right now bunched up in that three and four range. And then you have the seventh seed at the moment. Cleveland Browns, who are four and three. Now, Baker's injured. They have yet to play a division game, so they have the Steelers twice, they have the Bengals twice, they have the Ravens twice. For us, next week, if we beat the Titans after that, we only have three division games left, and it's Houston, Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Those should be three wins. I know we struggled against Jacksonville in the past. Those should be three victories. So if we win next week, we really should run the table in the division. You look at the Chiefs, are they going to run the table the rest of the way in their division? No, that's a tough division. You look at the Steelers, you look at the Browns, those are not teams that are going to be able to run the table in their division. And those would probably be our three biggest competitors. I think the Broncos are in the mix too, but they're just not that good. They have problems at the quarterback position and they have to play the Chiefs, they have to play the Chargers, they have to play the Raiders, so they're in a tough division. They're the worst team in their division. So when we look at the wild card spot, we look at that seventh seed, it's realistic for the Colts. You probably can't lose more than maybe two, three games the rest of the way, but that's realistic for this team when you look at the remainder of our schedule. Next week is huge, not only for the division, but for the wild card. It's not as big for the Titans because they've taken care of business. They've done what they're supposed to do. Besides the Jets game, they've done what they're supposed to do. They go out, they beat Buffalo, prime time Monday night. They dismantle the Chiefs yesterday, who quite honestly are not a good football team. But of course, Mahomes is Mahomes. He could go nuclear at any time. If he cleans up the turnovers, you'd never be surprised no matter what the Chiefs do because he's that good. And even though the team, quite honestly, sucks, he's still Patrick Mahomes. He's still... An MVP, he's still a guy who threw 50 touchdowns in a season, but he's turned the ball over a lot. So when you look at the playoff picture right now for the Colts, there's two spots, in my opinion. There's the division, which is either a competition starting next week or it's over starting next week, depending on the result. If you beat the Titans, we're in it. And then if you lose that game, it's over. The Titans win the division, congratulations. You put all your focus into that seventh seed for the playoffs. So it's shaping up better than maybe last year where 10 and six didn't get in. And 
11 and 5 almost didn't get in, but it's still going to be tough because there's a lot of two lost teams in the AFC. The AFC is very good. I think, again, the AFC is much better than the NFC. Although we got the best NFC division this year, of course, head to head, where we have to play the Seahawks when they still had Russ, the Rams, even the Niners. They're not a bad 2 and 4 team. And then the Cardinals, who are undefeated on Christmas Day. Yeah, I mean, it really, when you look ahead, it, it looks like a daunting task, but I still believe in this team. I think. You know, really, they just got to take it one week at a time. Like we always say, focus on going one and zero. Focus on the process of what it's taking, or focus on the process of what it takes to get to one and zero. And and then you know, just take it a week at a time. Like we always say, stack wins. And you know, next week's the biggest game because it's the next game. It's a divisional game and it's a home game. The Colts have to find a way, whether it's outscoring Tennessee in a high-scoring game or you know whatever. They've got to find a way to win. We were in the last game. Obviously, they were missing A.J. Brown and, and Julio in the second half, but we were basically playing with, an, you know, basically a guy in a wheelchair, and we were in that game, 14-13, to 13, headed to the fourth quarter. This is going to be a different matchup. This Colts team, will, the, the offense will be imminently better than it was in that game. It was, I mean, that game, the offense was just not good. We, uh, you know, we had a quarterback that couldn't move. So I think you're going to see a much, much improved Colts team you know, the key of the game is going to be, can we slow their offense down? If we can slow their offense down, you know, we'll have a chance to win. That's the key. And, uh, you know, Tennessee's been playing great. And that's, you know, that's that you got to give them a lot of credit. I mean, you, they lost to the Jets. They could have very easily went in the tank. They come back. They beat, you know, Buffalo, who I think is the best team in the AFC. And then they absolutely, I mean, just destroy Kansas City. Can't you, like you said, Kansas City is not good uh they're they're in a lot of trouble their offensive line is bad their defense is horrible and you know Mahomes is great but I don't know if he can overcome all that if he can then maybe he should win the MVP this year I don't know but I mean the turnovers are definitely because he's got no offensive line and and their defense is just certified trash so uh, I don't know if Kansas City's going to be in it I, I I think they maybe they will be maybe they won't be but the bottom line is the Colts just have to keep doing what they're doing they've been playing really good football for the last four weeks and they just got to keep doing that you know the the Ravens game sucked but they bounced back from that with two wins and I think that's a good sign for for the coming games no question and that pretty much wraps things up here big win for the Colts we improve now to three and four which is not a great record but when you start owing three it's probably the second best outcome after seven weeks you're either going to be four and three or you're going to be three and four after the next four and besides one quarter against the ravens we've played pretty damn good football i know we've had a couple cupcakes in there with the dolphins and with the texans but this was a big win this is a much better team in my opinion than a two and four team and i know they've had a lot of injuries but you know you're still going against bosa you're still going against a safe quarterback in garoppolo who has a pretty good winning record as a quarterback in this league i think he was 26 and 10 before yesterday so now 26 and 11 it's not a bad record a team that went to the super bowl a couple years ago and congratulations to deforest buckner for going back to the place that didn't want him anymore couldn't agree on a number and getting a win in the place he used to play in San Francisco at, what, Levi Stadium, Levy Stadium. So big win for the Colts, good win for the Colts, prime time for the Colts, Sunday Night Football, my favorite time slot of the week. And now we go home and we play the Tennessee Titans in what is the biggest game of the year, our home game against the Titans, already lost on the road, have to go home and take care of business against a red-hot 
Tennessee Titans team. Maybe if we wear like green and we look like the Jets, they'll fold under pressure and we'll beat them next week. So Colts Titans next week. We'll be back on Thursday with the game preview, super late game preview this week. We apologize about that. We'll try to get it up earlier this week. And then after that, the schedule lightens up a little bit because then we have the Jets, we have the Jags, we have a couple of really winnable games after the Titans game on Sunday. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, and this is the For the Culture Podcast.